0: Hi, my name is Jenny Donnelly and this is Shauna Danberg and you have joined the Don't Mess With Our Kids podcast hosted by Her Voice Movement. There are women of all ages and especially these mama bears that are saying enough is enough. The attack on our children has gone way too far. So there's a grassroots movement rising up in America called Don't Mess With Our Kids. It's very simple for you to join. In fact, we are inviting you to come into this movement. You can simply share this podcast with everybody you know. But for sure, on your calendar, put down April 13th, 2024, where people will be standing and praying and crying out to God for a nation to be changed in your state capital. We even have nations that will be standing in their U.S. Embassy all together in one historical day. And then a couple months after that, we're going to have a date for you very, very soon. We will be standing one million women and their families praying together fasting before this event in Washington DC. We're going to stand and we're going to see America be saved. You're going to hear way more about this. This is what this podcast is all about. This is a prayer movement. We want you a part of this because we truly believe Sean and I believe that this grassroots movement will change America. And today I am so excited about this guest that we have on our show today. She is a dear friend and I would also call her family for sure. Her name is Ellie Gentry, and she has an incredible story to share with you today. She is right now at Bible College in Southern California at Oceans College, Oceans Church, an incredible leadership school. And we're so excited for you to hear her incredible story of the miraculous deliverance that she had from what a lot of people think, Shauna, is impossible to break free from. And so let's bring Ellie on today. Ellie, I am so excited that you're here with us today. Thank you, my friend, for being here. You're so beautiful. And you know what? I do have to say you are one of my favorite Gen Z. I'm just going to admit it right here. Um, Ellie has been a roommate of my daughter's, um, Hannah. But we've had the honor. um, Shauna and I have both been watching you overcome and overcome. And God is using your voice nationally now to share your story far and wide. And I just want to just run out of the gates, honor you for not hiding your story, not hiding and just, um, you know, living your life for yourself. When God set you free, you immediately started telling other people about what he was able to do. So let's do this. Let's have you just start with your story, tell everybody what I'm talking about because I'm not giving away, you know, your story right now. But why don't you share with everybody your story?
1: Yeah. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm so excited and honored to be able to share and um, so excited for what even my story can do for so many people and so many families. Um, but yeah, so my story started um, when I was about 11 or 12 years old. Um, well, backtrack, I was raised in a Christian family, um, went to church, went to the private schools. I loved Jesus with my whole heart um, and I wanted to serve him my whole life. And when I was 11 to 12 years old, that's when, um, my mom had a affair on my dad and it was with a really close relative, really close friend. And so it hit really hard. And I, I was raised in a, in a family that didn't really know the Holy spirit kind of religious background. So when this, what I'd say crisis hit me in my family, I had no idea what to do with the trauma. And I just didn't know what was going on. And, um, I had a root of bitterness and a root of unforgiveness and a a real root of rejection from my mom. And um, so I walked with that throughout my early childhood and continuing on into high middle school and high school. And so um, I tried to serve the Lord and along with serving the world. And as we all know, that never works out well, trying to party, but also trying to go to church on Sunday. It just, it doesn't work. And so I was a very lukewarm Christian who wanted all of Jesus, but didn't know how to have all of him. And so when I was serving at a camp, I actually ended up meeting a girl and I uh, walked into a two-year homosexual relationship with her. I completely abandoned my family, completely abandoned my friends. I moved out of my house. I just started to live my own life. I went along with the mantra of love is love. I went along with the stigmas and the identities. And I started to grab a hold of whatever I could find that would um, just fulfill an identity in me that would fulfill this longing to be loved in me. And I used a girl to fulfill that void and not Jesus. And so for two years, I was tormented with anxiety and depression. Um, I was so lost and I had, I really thought that I had dug myself too deep of a hole that I would never get out. I didn't even think God's love was big enough. And I really believed that I was going to marry this girl. I had a promise ring from her. Um, I thought my destiny was to be married to a girl. And if I ever had to tell a guy what I had done, it was, it wasn't going to turn out well. So why even try? Um, so I was trapped and, um, it was three years ago that I walked into a conference, a youth conference up at, um, the retreat center where you guys are right now. Um, and I got radically touched by God. I should not have been there. I was dragged there by my mom and my dad. This was during the peak of COVID when the church was under a lot of, um, just pressure and, um, her voice and to tell us I had a event going on to, uh, bring kids in. And I was one of them that got radically touched that day. I encountered the Holy spirit for the first time. And, um, I physically felt the tangible love of Jesus fill my entire body. Um, Jenny looked me in the eyes when I went up to confess everything I had done. And she asked me if I wanted to be free. And I said, yes, I want to be free. And I jumped right in. I broke up with my girlfriend. I completely turned away from the homosexual lifestyle. And that was that I was changed forever. No going back. No looking back. My life has never looked the same. I never thought that I'd ever be doing this, but here we are. And by the grace of God, I, I love my testimony. I love my story. I'm not ashamed of it. And I know that God has used everything I've walked through just to glorify him. So that's a small little glimpse of my story.
0: Wow. So I'm thinking about when you first met this girl and you were both Christians, professed Christians, right? Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Ellie, was there a time? Where you are trying to still be Christian and be with her and figure out how maybe God could let this coexist. Like, tell, tell us about that journey.
1: Yeah. So I, um, at the beginning, um, I really didn't feel like, I remember actually the first couple months feeling like this is not right. When I first kind of said yes to like a relationship with her and we were talking In a more like intimate way i remember being like this like feels wrong just something in my i didn't even know but my spirit was telling me like it was like a conviction just like "Mm, this just doesn't feel right and so i went searching for answers but in the wrong people i talked to a lot of this girl's friends who were all gay who all were proclaimed christians that were gay and so i was being told by people. That i thought i could trust that it was okay to love god and to love the same sex so i was hearing a lot of things from culture a lot of things from what the world was telling me and i really didn't have like a biblical like backbone to know and stand on what was true and what was not and so i was listening to a lot of what media was saying a lot of what my friends who were in the world were saying and i tried my best I I think I used Jesus and religion more as like a cleansing element in my life during that season because I felt so much shame and I felt so disgusted with myself that I I thought if I could read some scripture, if I could read a devotional, if I'd listen to worship music that it would get me right with God and it never did and it was never enough and I always went back to the girl. I always went back to the partying, but I tried and it just, it's like trying to live with something that doesn't belong in your house. It's like if an intruder came into your house and you were like, well, I don't want you to be here. So get out, but you never did anything about it. I just lived like that. I just lived like there was something wrong inside of me trying to just cover it up and like hide it with Jesus, with, with like scripture and stuff like that. So it was I would say it was genuinely impossible to try to walk out my faith with God. As
2: I'm curious because I've heard your story a ton of times, but I've never, I've never heard you talk about this that I'm about to ask you. So I'm super curious what happened that changed your mind in that regard where you actually were like, Oh my goodness, the truth is, This is not God. This is sin. This is not what the Bible agrees with. Like, was that when you were here at Crestview and that in that moment, all of a sudden that conviction, was it like, did it sort of permeate you the whole time and you really knew deep down or was it even after that? Like, when did that come to light for you?
1: Yeah, that's a really good question. I think it was always there. Honestly, it was always there that deep down I knew what I was doing was wrong and was not who God had called me to be or was even part of my identity as a child of God. Mm -hmm. And I think it really just hit home when I was having an encounter with God. I'd never had an encounter with the living God. I had known like a dead God, a, he's doesn't do miracles today. God, and so when I met the real God, I, I really believe that a veil was lifted off of my eyes wow. and I could fully see clearly. Um, I, I've never felt even a boldness come over me almost even like from that day where I was so like, no, this is, I know this is not right. Like it was just, it, there was something different inside of me that was like awakened. I think my spirit just came to life for the first time in two years. Um, and so I just, I couldn't deny it. And I did not have a problem after that moment, walking out and saying, no, homosexuality is a sin. Like there was never a day after that, that I questioned it or even thought because the truth had become so real to me. It wasn't just a book. It wasn't just scripture. It wasn't just someone telling me you're wrong. It was literally a real encounter the living God that I could not deny. And so it was like from this day forward, whatever he says, I will believe and I will put my trust in. That's
0: incredible. So I'm thinking about your mom and your dad, mm-hmm. and I know their story and they have bravely told their story yeah. of infidelity and the repentance and the recovery and the journey that they took, which is a whole nother miracle story, really. Yeah. Um, but Um, Tell everybody what it was like between you and your parents and what they did during this time when they found out that you had a relationship with a girl.
1: Yeah. Um, so yeah, my parents did end up staying together and God has miraculously saved their marriage and they're the best parents ever. Um, when I first started dating this girl, I hid it from them for about eight months. So they had no idea for almost a half of our relationship. Um, which even drove a wedge secrets always create separation. So just like sin. So by keeping a secret from my parents, I was separating myself from them. And, um, there was a lot of times where I would just, we would fight a lot. They didn't know why I knew why. And, um, when they found out I had a girlfriend and I came out to them, um, it did not go very well um, on my end of things, I actually, um, found a letter from, so I was in Europe when I told my family and I wrote my mom and dad a letter and I left it at the house cause I was too afraid to tell them in person. So my mom actually sent me a letter back and I think I shared this kind of recently, but I found that letter again, like two weeks ago. Wow. And I read it again and I was weeping because I realized how much my mom and dad loved me And I was so blinded by confusion and resentment and unforgiveness that two, three years ago, four years ago, whenever that I got that letter from them, I couldn't even see with eyes of love. I only saw through a lens of hate and I could not even believe that those were the words. It was almost like I was reading a completely different letter when my mom was telling me just, I love you. Can you come home? I want to talk about this we're not against you. We don't hate you. We love you. We're so- They even apologized for the affairs. They took ownership for the things that I had gone through, the trauma, all that stuff. And I never even saw that. Like, To me, it was, I hate you. You're going to hell. And none of those words were even on the paper. So mm-hmm. I was seeing my parents through such a lens of just hate when now I see it and I'm like, all they did was love me. I mean, I lost my job during COVID and I couldn't afford rent when I had moved out because I wanted my girlfriend to come home. And they were the first ones that were like, of course, move back in with me. I mean, it's literally the story of the prodigal son. Like we think that our the father's arms are shut and they're wide open, just waiting for us to come home. And so that was my parents. Um, I know it was not easy for them and, but they chose to love me through it each step of the way. They never agreed. Um, they would tell me that they didn't agree, but in a loving way, they never condemned me. They never said they hated me. They never disowned me, but they never said, we accept your identity. We accept the labels that you put on yourself. We accept, you know, there was a sort of accountability that they knew they were accountable to God and that they could not deny the truth of what they knew. And they never, they never wavered in that. And I think that's why I was able to have that encounter that I did because they trusted God and they trusted the identity that he had given me from when I was a little girl. And they never they never let go of that. Um, so I give my parents a huge round of applause for <laughs> everything they've done and the ways they prayed for me and the ways they just... Because I was probably so hateful and so rude and so just... Evil to them, but every day they let me live in their house, even while I was still dating that girl. And to see even our relationship and where it is now, it is absolutely crazy. And I've never, I don't share this part very often, but that day when I got saved, I remember breaking up with my girlfriend and I remember running to my mom. And all I could say was, I did it, I did it, I did it. And there was a joy and a like, oh my gosh, it's over like a relief. And she said, what did you do? Like she had no idea. And I was like, mom, I broke up with my girlfriend. And it was like, she starts screaming and crying and she gets my dad. And it was like, it literally felt exactly like the story of the prodigal son. Like they were throwing me a party. And so even just that moment, I'll never forget with my mom, and God has fully redeemed our relationship. Even now to this day, they're my best friends. They know everything about me and I don't deserve them as parents. Honestly,
0: Wow. Yeah. I remember that day, Ellie, like it was yesterday. It's one of my yeah. favorite moments because we had just... Moved here to the retreat center and trusted God to do something wild and then COVID hits and we're like, wow, this is a really bad time to book retreats and have people, but we opened it up to the kids because there was no church to go to. And we just felt so incredibly burdened that the kids didn't have anywhere to go. So, you know, in walks Ellie Gentry, I remember looking at you at the back of the room, never seen you before, but boy, did you have a spotlight on you. And I looked at your face and I went, well, that girl's getting wrecked. And you were listening to somebody on our team up front sharing their story of getting set free from a same sex relationship. Okay. I want the moms on here and the aunts and the grandmas to hear this. How did you get to in the room? How did you get to the retreat center? Because it wasn't like you were excited about coming to a youth revival, right? So share that part.
1: Yeah. So, um, I've been living with my parents for a little while now cause it was COVID and I, um, had no idea who these people were. My parents didn't even really know who you guys were or what was going on. And I found out it was a youth conference for like, I think it was like 10 or 12 to 18. And I was like, well, I'm 19. So I'm an adult. And I was like, I don't need to go. And, um, my mom was like, you're going. And my dad was like, you're gro- you're going. I was like, "No, I'm not. I'll go for like 2 hours, but I'm not going for a 12-hour event." And um I ended up well, my dad drove me there and he like dragged me in the car and I was so upset that I had to go because <laughs> I wanted nothing to do with Jesus. I had tried it and I'm like this doesn't work. And um so I walked in the doors and I sat in the back with my mom and basically they dragged me there. They were like, "You're going because you live under our house. This is our Roof, this is our rules. So you're going to the, you're going. And I was like, okay, like, I don't, I'm not going to put up a fight. I fight so much. It was just something in me was like, you're not going to fight this one. And so I went and I walked right in when Rachel was sharing her story of coming out of same sex and Tiffany and Jeremy were sharing about their abortion story. And I remember thinking who talks about this stuff in church? Never in my life. Have I heard anyone talk about anything like that? And I wanted to leave because I was like, they knew she was going to share. I'm getting out of here. But it was a setup. Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) I've been set up. And I, something just came over me and I was like, I'm staying. I told my mom I needed to talk to someone. And it was all because my parents did not let me convince them to not go. They said, You're going. And I had no other choice. It wasn't up to me. It wasn't up to me. And I've said that before, where I think that I parents need to get their kids in the room. It doesn't matter if they don't want to go, but they need to get in the room because if God's in the room, then your kids will get encountered by God. So,
0: well, I can say as a parent, you know, there's been times where even when you have a toddler and they throw a fit or whatever, just for a split second, you're wondering who's in control. Like, are you going to take over the world? Like, yeah, who's in charge here? And so we've talked about this in a previous episode about the spirit of intimidation. It was our first episode, actually. We talked about the spirit of intimidation. And I have seen parents get totally intimidated Mm -hmm. when their seventh grade daughter now has a girlfriend Mm -hmm. and they're kind of frozen for a second. And I'm like, no, you got this. You're the mother. Mm -hmm. It's just like anything else our kids go through. They're trying to find out who they are. And we have incredible testimonies of kids that said, yeah, my mom just said, no, that's not who you are. Mm -hmm. That's not God's best for you. Right. And that was it. And it just cut it off. Yeah. Right. Right there. So, yeah, I have so much admiration for your parents. And I remember, I want to point something out about you, Ellie. When you say that you broke up with your girlfriend, this is what I want everybody to know. She was at the altar. I said, do you want to be free after she tells me? put your hands in the air. We pray for her, cleanse her female organs. I just felt to do that in that moment. And I mean, God encounters her right there based on her longing for freedom, her, you know, you were, you wanted to be done with this. You, it was kind of like, this is my chance. Right. And then right then and there it was now get on your phone, go call her and say, this is not who you are. And this is not who I am. It's over. I want everybody here to understand that she did it immediately. It wasn't the next day. It wasn't four days later. It wasn't two weeks later. It wasn't that night. You walked out of that chapel and pulled your cell phone out and called her right there outside the doors. Yep. And um, I've I've been ministering to a couple people, Ellie, and I haven't had a chance to tell you this, but they've heard your story. Now they want set free. And so we, you know, do you want to be free? Put your hands in the air. Let's pray for You know, it's kind of, it feels very like, yeah, we've done this before. And then I said, now you need to go break up with them. And they're like, Oh, I don't know about that part. And I said, well, you've heard Ellie's freedom story. And I just want you to know that that's what finalized it Mm -hmm. is she went and she broke up and she was brave enough. And, um, at church, not too long ago, we had a gal come and She said she wanted to be free. Yes. Grajana's story too. Um, and then after the week after Grajana testified of her deliverance,
2: okay. this is someone else. Yes. And okay. she came up
0: to me and she, anyway, she just said, I have a girlfriend. We've been together for um, several years. In fact, she's here at church right now. She doesn't know I'm telling you this. And I said, what do you want? And, and I said, you want to be free? And she said, I totally want to be free. So we prayed for her. And then I said, you need to go and mm-hmm. this right now. And she's like, oh, I don't know if I can do that right now. Anyway, we talked all about it. And I said, how about this? You go talk to her. I'll stay here and wait for you. And um, I'll wait for you. You know, church is over, people are leaving the church and there's not very many people there anymore. So I just put my backpack on and I waited. And then after a little bit, she came back with the girl. They came back in the building and they were both had been crying. And I said, What do you guys did? What'd you guys decide? And they said, It's over. And I looked at the other girl and I said, Do you want to be free? And she said, I want to be free. I said, Okay, put your hands up in the air. Let me pray for you. You know, so we yeah. pray for her. She cuts it off. She receives Christ as her Lord and Savior. And then I both I asked them both, do you want to be mothers? Do you see yourself as a mother one day? And they said, we do. We want kids. And I said, then be free. Be free to live in Jesus. Be free to go walk out your destiny and your calling. Jesus loves you. Um, he cleaned me up too, you know, yeah. and he had to find me. I was in a different situation, but I was still in sin. This isn't hard for Jesus, yeah. you know? So um, your story has inspired dozens of people. I believe it's going to go far and wide All over the earth. I'm interested in Shauna, what you're thinking about. What questions do I have?
2: I just, I just, I mentioned Grajana because she did a similar thing where she took immediate action and she broke up with her girlfriend and then she just, what God did after that. But that's what I'm thinking to ask you about, Ellie, is that now you, what has happened? Because we, we hear the story of the past. We hear what God did. Mm -hmm. And then now it's just been like wild. So tell us a little bit about the wild ride you've been on since you made that decision, because it has been one incredible thing after the other since you made the decision to go all in with Jesus.
1: Yeah, no, that's so good. Yeah. So I moved down to orange County about a year ago to do the Bible college at oceans church, um, with Hannah, Jenny's daughter, who's my best friend. And it has been a, journey. It has been a ride. I never thought in my life that I would be even sharing about this. I never th- not I never thought that I would even be on the other side of this. There was no hope. No hope. And here I am. I've I feel like God's just opening door after door for me to share in random places in random cities with random churches and it's been so cool to just see the redemption of my life and how redeeming God is with everything. Um, I have, I met my boy, my now boyfriend of like a year and a half down here in orange County. I would say this is like my promised land. Um, So that has been just so cool to see even God's redemption so quick that there was a guy out there that when I told him my whole story and every nasty thing about me that he, looked at me with eyes of Jesus and was like, wow, that's an incredible testimony. I <laughs> so I could not believe that there was someone out there. And yeah, God knew and God was being faithful and just how I have seen the goodness of God in my own life, in my family's life. I I am living a dream every day. I it's sometimes hard to even remember who I was three years ago. Like that just feels like so far removed from who I am. And I tell people my story and they're like confused because they don't know if I'm joking, if this is real life, if that actually was me because they just can't believe it. And so, yeah, my life, I, I, I don't deserve the life that I have and I'm so grateful for every opportunity I've ever been given to share my story. And I am so excited because we're believing for a hundred thousand LGBTQ to to, come out of that community and to be saved and redeemed and healed and delivered. And I am believing it. When I heard that call from Lou Engle, I was stuck to the floor. I could not believe what I was hearing. And I feel like I have the burden. It's a scary burden to carry, but I am really believing that we're gonna see it. Um, And I can't wait to be a part of that move of God.
0: Yes. We believe that just as the hippies were to the Jesus movement, Mm
1: -hmm. the
0: LGBT community is going to be shot forward as pioneers of revival. I believe it. And Ellie, I just look at you and say, yes, yes. The anointing on your life is crazy. And so we have so much hope for anybody that is trapped or like you said it multiple times, feeling stuck, You said, you know, I felt stuck. Like, this is my fate. There's no way out. I might as well just settle into this thing. And today, just by your testimony and what God can do, you have proven that people are not stuck. They can absolutely be set free. And not only that, but be set on fire for God and be unashamed in their testimony. So we're so thankful that you are at the tip of the spear. You're leading a huge movement, whether you look at it that way or not. Your testimony is cutting through spiritual darkness and we're so excited about what you're doing and we're with you, girl. We're so proud of you. Would you go ahead and end this broadcast by praying for people, especially for those that feel like they're stuck and then even maybe mothers or grandmothers or dads that are like, well, my kid's stuck. There's nothing I can do. We're just in this thing. So I want you to pray and um, thank you for doing that. We love you.
1: Yeah. Well, Lord, we just thank you right now for every person on here who is going to hear this message. God, we thank you for every person who listens to this podcast. God, we thank you right now for an encounter. God, we ask for one touch of your presence. We thank you for the living God, for the real God, the tangible love of Jesus to overwhelm them, God, to penetrate their body. Lord, we just ask right now that they would be that the truth would be unveiled to them, and God, that they would see clearly, Lord, that the spirit of confusion would lift off of their mind and off of their eyes, Lord, and that they would see you rightly, God. That they would see every every decision, they would see every person, they would see see everything with heaven's perspective, God. We ask right now that you would touch them, Lord, that you would encounter them, that you would set them free in the mighty name of Jesus. We plead the blood of Jesus, the healing blood, the power in the blood of Jesus. We plead it right now over every person who is listening to this message. God, we thank you for freedom. We thank you for deliverance in Jesus' name. And Lord, we just bless every parent. We bless every grandparent, every cousin, uncle, friend or family member, God. And we thank you right now. God, for encouraging their spirits. I just pray a a deep well of faith to stir up in them. Lord, would they see with eyes of hope and with vision. Lord, would they see the promise over their friends and family. God, the words that you have spoken about every person that they are contending for. I just pray, God, that they would be able to see every person running home. God, the people that they are believing to come out of the LGBTQ community. We ask right now that you would give them a vision of them running back to the Father's house, Lord. I thank you for encouraging them. I thank you for giving the words and the language for them to speak to one another, God. Would they be able to um, just walk out in love, Lord, in, in, in truth and in love, Lord? Would they be able to convict and would they be able to uplift their friends and their families, God? And I thank you for giving them Just the spirit of faith right now in Jesus' name, Lord. We bless them. We thank you for their prayers, God, for their for their fasting, Lord, for their continued belief, God, that you will do it and you are who you say you are. We love you, God. We thank you for being so faithful to all of us, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name, we pray. Amen.
0: Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Ellie. You're such a powerhouse. We love you. We bless you. And thank you again for being on here today. You've made a huge impact. All right. Thank you so much. Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us for Don't Mess with Our Kids. And you know what? We need each other in this fight. There's no way that a single one of us can just jump out there without this corporate response to what the enemy would like to do to this nation. But I know that we are speaking to, Shauna, men and women who have a deep burden to see God's name as a banner over this country, but also yeah. to see the family unit preserved, mm-hmm. to see people set free, to mm-hmm. see people in their true identity and their true destiny. So I just say, thank you for joining us today. Do not forget to put on your calendar, April 13th, 2024, to stand in your state Capitol. Hey, listen, it's not going to be convenient. You might have to drive three or four hours, maybe seven hours across your state. Hey, if you're in Texas, you might have to drive a long way or California, that's a long state. But listen, it's gonna be worth it. Do not underestimate the power you have in showing up, standing on that grass on that day because you are the light. Jesus in you is the light and we must overcome darkness by praying, fasting and standing. So thank you so much and we will see you next episode.